Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we're back here on the Culture Corner and I have radio. And now we're joined by um, a good buddy of mine who's a very talented guy, uh, actor, singer, director, artistic producer, and, uh, director of Desert Ensemble Theater Company, Jerome Elliott. Hey, Jerome, how are you? Hi, Bonnie. I'm good. How are you? Good, 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 good. So tonight you've got uh, another installment of DETC's Monologue Slam series. So tell us about this. Yes. Um, the Monologue Slam is the latest in a series of online events that we've been doing since the shutdown. We started all the way back last May with a series of um, sheltering stories all about uh, being um, uh, inspired by being sheltered. And then we had uh, some original plays around the holidays and we did our annual concert online. And then in February, Desiree Clark, who is a very gifted local actress and director and is our director of development, came to us with this idea to do a series of uh, monologues on different subjects. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first one was in February. It was part one. It was called Black Voices. And they were um, all actors of color and uh, doing um, works that were by uh, black writers and uh, very topical and very wonderful and moving. Uh, It was very successful for us. Um, Then we took a break and we're back this month with freedom. And uh, these are all different um, expressions of what it means to be free, uh, both in terms of uh, sexuality, uh, lifestyle choices, in terms of profession, you know, and uh, that's tonight. It's uh, four wonderful actors uh, from, and we've been able to work with actors from across the country on this. So uh-huh. one of the, these actors are in Los Angeles. Uh, one is in Texas. And this is a, a rather, this is a shorter um, incarnation tonight. It's about 30 minutes, seven mm-hmm. monologues. They're all very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they come from, uh, some of them are from the screen. One guy's doing a monologue from the movie High Fidelity. Okay. We have someone doing something from Steel Magnolias. Uh, there's another uh, monologue uh, from the play I Never Sang for My Father. Oh, yeah. um, and we have something from Crimes of the Heart. So mm-hmm. it's a very uh, diverse uh, group of monologues tonight. And then we'll be back again in late April. We're going to do uh, close out the series with monologues all done by students in local mm-hmm. high schools that we work with through our internship program. Excellent. Um, so we'll be able to showcase that aspect of what mm-hmm. we do as well. The, now, the ones that, the thing that's happened, the freedom, the ones happened tonight, so does each each actor chooses their own monologue? Um, they do choose their own monologue. They're given the subject, and then they mm-hmm. find something for it. Uh, so it was, you know, it's a surprise to me uh, I didn't really see any of them until last night during the tech rehearsal because Desiree um, has taken the lead on this project mm-hmm. um, after uh, 
after producing a lot of things throughout the spring and winter, um, we decided that it was time for someone else to produce for a while, which is great because uh, it gives someone else in our company uh, the opportunity to show what they can bring to us. Right. And now, so she, so did she direct all these folks remotely as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. She worked with each of them. Um, so, um, Everything you see uh, on screen tonight will be a combination of the actor's talents and Desiree's direction. And, and just because I, I know the last one, I was just fixed to my screen during the last one. I didn't want it to end. Mm-hmm. So I know this is going to be a, a fantastic group of performers. And how do, you, how do you find the actors? Do they come to you? How do you find them? In this case, um, Desiree used her uh, connections, Mm -hmm. uh, both from uh, her college days and from uh, her professional days in other cities. So she's got a wide network, and she cast a broad net, and that's how we cast the first two for this third one, because we're going to be using either students who are currently in the high schools that we work with through our internships, which we're currently doing online mm-hmm. via master classes. We're also going to reach out to some students who have worked with us in the past and have gone on uh, to uh, most of them are at College of the Desert. Uh-huh. There's a very talent, talented guy um, that you may know by the name of Cameron Keyes, uh, who mm. was in our production of Expressions when mm. he was a high school student. Yep. And uh he directed you in yeah. a reading of Tony Padilla's uh, new play, Artificial Morality. He sure did, and that was great fun. Yeah. And he's going to, when we are going to produce that work, which was delayed from last season, obviously, and mm-hmm. Cameron is going to come back and direct it. And the first time ever a student has directed one of our main stage plays, and we're very excited about that. That's great. Now, I'm, I was reading. I'm very impressed. I did not know uh, Desiree Clark has quite a, a background. Uh, yes, she does. Director, producer credits, Los Angeles, received a BFA in acting from AMDA College and Conservatory of the Performing Arts, a graduate mm-hmm. of British American Drama, Drama Academy. Um, yeah, yeah. She's, she's got quite a, a resume here. So, and now you may have said this already, the, the next installment with the students, are you directing those or is Desiree directing those? This is going to be a group effort between uh, Desiree, uh, Sean Abramowitz, and myself uh, for this one, because we're going to be uh, working with um, a lot of different students. So we decided for this third one, we would all team up and make Mm -hmm. it a team effort. And And do you have a theme for that one? For the monologues? Not yet. Okay. Uh, my my inclination is, um, since we've done two that are thematic, I thought it would be nice for the third to be sort of freestyle, mm-hmm. and that would allow us to, to let the students just choose what they think makes them shine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that there will be at least one Shakespeare in mm-hmm. there, because mm-hmm. one of our students is a nationally recognized uh, competitor in uh you know, Shakespeare competitions for high school students. Wow. So uh, we'd love to see a Shakespeare monologue. Yeah. So when you, when you, you, Jerome, as a director, approach directing someone doing a monologue, what do you have a, a sort of a strategy that you go in with? Um, a monologue is just like any other, uh, I would compare it to the way I would direct someone doing a song. Mm-hmm. Because a song is a story, a monologue is usually a story. 
Uh, we want to know what happened before they said this, who they're talking to, mm-hmm. what happened, after, what's going to happen after they said this. Mm-hmm. What's the weather like where you are right now? Yeah. Um, what's the last thing you saw before you started speaking? You want to go into all those uh, aspects of sub- subtext that brings uh, richness to the work. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to make sure in a monologue that uh, they're not coming out of the gate too strong. Because mm-hmm. it has to like it's just like a mini play, you know. If some, I, I was just reading a play uh, for consideration for our theater company, and uh, it was I, I was fascinated because the playwright came out of the gate kind of at eleven o'clock with the character all the all the way at eleven o'clock, mm-hmm. and there was no really place to go at the beginning of the play. There's yeah. no place to go. Yeah, and with the monologue, it's the same thing. You want to have a place for it to, to develop. At the same time, you have to since it's an out-of-context monologue, you have to establish your character right off the bat. You just have to be present and ready to go. Right, right. Have you in the past, uh, particularly working with younger people and students, um, been in a situation where you really felt that the person, the actor, uh, did not choose it was not a good monologue for them. It was not a good match and have to encourage them to find something else. Have you ever had that situation? Well, not, not particularly. We have not um, worked too closely with mm-hmm. students on monologues yet. Most of, as you know, most of our internships for students were uh, technical internships right. and mm-hmm. lighting design props. So this is really except for having a couple of students in plays where it was age appropriate, this is the first time we're going to work on this level with students. And mm-hmm. they all come from different schools. Some of them are in the Palm Springs High School Theater Department. Some of them are at Palm Valley School Theater Department. Mm-hmm. And then we have students um, from Cathedral City High School who are primarily there for the technical aspects. of the, We're doing the master classes we're doing right now range in anything from... Uh, what it's like to be a television producer, what it's like to be a set designer. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Herrera, who dubs uh, foreign language films, uh, yeah. English films into foreign language, is going to do uh, a presentation on dubbing. Excellent. And at the end of this year, uh, seniors who have completed all the course assignments will be eligible for our scholarships, which we would usually give to the interns who work with us in person. So uh, Excellent. This, whole new, this whole new virtual world has created different opportunities for us. Yeah. Speaking of that, so, and of course, the viruses, everything, we got the vaccines now, so there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. Things are opening up a little bit. What's your uh, hope? What's your realistic hope, realistic hope <laughs> for what's going to happen with the theater in the, in the fall? Well, six days from now, I get my second vaccine, and I'm okay. very excited. And I know everybody, I see everyone's getting vaccines, and uh, things are going to open up. We don't have a clear direction yet from the county and the state on live entertainment, mm-hmm. other than in, in clubs right now. Yeah. We're hoping for some direction. My sincere hope is that by fall, we will be able to open on some level. Mm-hmm. I believe it will be at a reduced Just level. Capacity. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, people really need to get back out enjoying yeah. the things that make life uh, that make life wonderful, and theater is one of those things. Yes. So we yes. will be looking at ways to safely bring people into the theater. We have PPE equipment. Um, we have social distancing guidelines if we need to follow them, and we want 
most of all, we want people to feel safe right. to come back to experience right. theater in a communal setting. Right. All right. So tonight, Freedom, the second installment of DET's Monologue Slam series. You can streaming live on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash DETC stage at 7 p.m. And it's a free event, but there's an optional $5 donation. Now, if they go on to that, the Facebook that's DET stage. Does it show you where they can make an, a donation if they yes, want to? Yes, there's a, there's a link to our PayPal account where they can make a donation. Okay. And that's obviously well, greatly appreciated. But it is a free event because of the situation that everybody is in right now. Yeah, yeah. And how about you, uh, Jerome? Uh, do you have any singing live streams or anything coming up soon where people can see you? I'll be at Frankie's on uh, April 10th. Yay. Tisha D, we're doing a duet show. That's, that's right. I'm going to be there April 8th with Ruth, Ruth Ann de la Vega as her special guest for her 85th birthday celebration. Oh, good. And I, that's why, because Eric is playing for you, you and Keisha. I forgot about that. Eric yeah. is playing for Keisha and me. Yes, we're, we're very excited. That's great. That's great. Yeah, Keisha, Keisha's fabulous. Boy, she's done a number of live streams at Frankie's. And she, I tell you what, she is, she is one talented lady and one, one strong lady. And I, I know she you guys is. have been have been buddies from way back. Well, it's, real well, we're quick. We're happy to get together again musically. It's been a long time. Yeah, 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 it is. I know we're all kind of, we're all getting a little stir crazy and COVID fatigue and, and feels like it's Groundhog Day every day. But um, I think if we just, if we all just get vaccinated, wear your mask, stay a little more patient, it's going to, it's, you know, we're going to get to a point where we can really loosen up. And, and I just don't want people to blow it. I just don't want people to blow it this spring right. and summer, you know, and then have some big wave back in the fall. I think that would be really unfortunate. I'm with you. Really unfortunate. Well, Jerome Elliott, thank you so much. I always love having you on the show. Good luck with the monologue slam. Hope you get lots of donations and um, stay safe. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Thanks. Bonnie. All thank right. Thank you so much. All right. We'll Bye. be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a bit. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner. On this segment, we're going to talk about a couple situations related to well, the virtual sphere. Mm-hmm. So Black Widow and Cruella, two movies from the Disney company, Black Widow being the latest movie, superhero movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe revolving around Natasha Romanoff, a, uh, I'm going to say a spy who has, uh, I guess, the superpower of being very intelligent and very good at fighting and all that. Like, that's her superpower. Okay. And and Cruella, which is a I'm going to say a reimagining of Corella as the main character, as a young woman. From the the Corella from the 101 Dalmatians? Yes. Okay. So both of these both of these movies have now been on the back burner for Disney. Disney has pushed them back further and further because they were going to be released last year. But because of the pandemic, movie theaters closed. So now 
they finally came up with a solution to their problem for these movies. So Disney did not want to actually release these movies on their streaming service, but now they figured they have to because mm-hmm. they can't keep pushing them further anymore. Yeah. So now they can really, they will release in theater. So if you have the option, you can go and see it at the movie theater mask, be safe, you know, but now if you want to see them at home, pay $30, pay $30 for premier access. So you can see them at home and not only, and it's not X and it's actually extra on top of the regular streaming price. So $10 a month, $6 a month, add another 30 for the, those movies and as long as you keep paying that 30 you have access to those movies uh, i'm not wondering how many people are going to do that it seems like a lot of money uh it, it's actually not gone the way they want it to like okay. it turns out movies like mulan and raya the movies that they try to do that for it's still an experiment mm-hmm. they still see it as this giant experiment of are people going to pay 30 bucks and mm-hmm. i have not i just wait a couple months for these movies to come out i'm I, I don't work for Disney, so I can say that. Like, yeah. I just wait. I'm going to wait for Raya, which is an animated movie. I'm going to wait until that comes out in June for mm-hmm. free on the streaming service because I don't I don't personally think it's a good idea to release these movies with a $30 price on top of that. I think it's – I think, to be honest, people can't afford that. that. And that's more than going out to a movie when the movie theaters were still open. That's, I mean, you know. That's what I thought, too. Like, I thought – that's enough to pay for at least hopefully like maybe three people on an on a matinee. Yeah, exactly. You go to the matinee and you'll pay for like three people. Actually thirty dollars will pay for a little bit more with a matinee. Maybe three people and some popcorn or popcorn. whatever, you know, you know? <laughs> or like a box of popcorn because yeah. it's so expensive. Yeah, but yeah. I think for me, like if you're just paying for the movie, it, it's not they better throw in some popcorn some, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> they deliver be- popcorn to your house. Deliver yeah. popcorn and yeah. a drink. But I mean, I'm not, I just, I don't know. It's it's complicated. But moving on to... Let's talk about the Oscars, because it's no Zoom thing. So the Oscars, we talked about it a few weeks ago, that they were not doing Zoom, that you have dress code and everything. Now they're receiving some backlash for that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who would not be able to attend the Academy Awards, including ac- the actors from Minari, movies that have come out that... In which actors don't live here. For example, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman and Chloe Zhao, who are the directors of mm-hmm. those movies of Nomadland and Promising Young Woman, they don't live in the United States. Yeah. So they do not think... They're not going to pro- fly here for the Oscars. Yeah. No, and they also said that... And they... Uh, Fennell, who's nominated for Promising Young Woman, who actually is a frontrunner, believe it or not, the two frontrunners for this award are women. The first mm-hmm. time two women Yeah, are, that's great. Right? That's so great. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland mm-hmm. and Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. Fennell actually said she's desperate to go. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm desperate to attend. The idea of missing it is so awful, but I can't th- bear to think about it. Obviously, it's whatever is safe and allowed, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to break the law by swimming in the Atlantic mm-hmm. though. I would, if I had the time and the core strength mm-hmm. and she also, s- and a couple other people, uh, producers, f- a lot of the producers and d- filmmakers, they don't like this idea that a lot of people within the Academy don't like it, but mm-hmm. because the Academy, like the big wigs decided no zoom because of a lot of things have been going wrong. Like they, for example, Catherine O'Hara, gave a very chaotic acceptance speech through Zoom and that Daniel Kaluuya was 
it was delayed like a lot at the zoom meetings at the sometimes the connection, is, connection. Yeah, so, yeah it's not good yeah it's not good and also they didn't like the fact that a lot of people were dressed in like pajamas okay, and yeah stuff. yeah yeah and for me personally i think the zoom option should still be there i feel like they should accommodate the time yeah i do too and also yeah. maybe do a test run yeah test it out and you know and yeah because i mean th- you could end up with very few nominees being there and it just kind of being a weird show very few winners being there and just being kind of a weird show and the sad you know? thing is if a if we're going to miss history if it turns out the two women who were the front runners don't actually get to, get to yeah sp- I give think, their speech i think they need to th- rethink that and if one of them wins they would be the second woman out of the 90 years to, to win to yeah. win what's the date april something it would be oh, that's a good question i'm trying to remember no, it's april something i believe it w- it's in april it's okay. def- certainly going to be in april but uh, i, yeah. I it's okay we'll get it in the next next segment all right okay coming up with more when we come back we're gonna have shelly yolan a wonderful musician sax player who runs a jazz band that's at aj's on the green every fridays every friday we're going to talk to him in just a moment Listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And we're back on the Culture Corner. We're hoping to maybe chat in just a bit with Shelly Yolen, who's a wonderful musician, wonderful saxophonist, who um, runs a jazz group that plays every Friday. Live music is back out on the patio at AJ's on the Green, which is a great place that has wonderful music. Uh, Shelly Yolen Jazz. So we're hoping to talk to him in just a bit. He's a really talented guy. He spends um, uh, the uh, summers here and then the, the season um, he goes back to... Um, Chicago, right? Let's see. He's chairman of the he's a teacher, chairman of the fine arts department and band director at Triton College. Works with the Maxwell Street Klezmer Band. Um, studied music education at Northwestern University. So he's a really, really multi-talented guy. So hopefully we'll talk to him in just a bit. Um, the, you know, there's a lot. Things are opening up slowly in the desert, which is good. Um, you know, there's some places that are having some live music outside on patios with. Uh, um, lower capacity spacing tables out and, and masks unless you're eating and that kind of thing so i think that's okay i know everybody's gonna i'm so happy that starting next week april 1st they've opened up the um, vaccinations uh to some of the rest of us now it's going to be anyone 50 50 age 50 plus 50 to 65 uh without medical conditions uh which is great so i'm in that i'm in that category so i'm really looking forward to getting vaccinated so i really hope everybody who has the opportunity to get vaccinated does i have a number of friends who have been and are really glad they did a lot of people um have had no reaction at all some people have had nothing no sore arm nothing some people have had a sore arm some people have had a reaction but it seems more more often on this on the second one um, where they maybe had some flu, flu-like symptoms for 24 hours, you know, fever, aching, headache, chills, whatever, for 24 hours or so. But if you know, take some Tylenol and take a hot shower, a hot bath, and drink some tea, and you're, you're usually okay. So everybody that I know here in town um, 
has done okay with the vaccine. And I really think there's been so many studies that it's really safe and effective. So I'm hoping everybody, I'm hoping everybody goes out and gets that. And, you know, just if we just stay smart, if we just stay smart and a little more patient um, to get through the spring and summer, then hopefully we'll not have a big wave coming in the fall. You know, Um, Bonnie? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. (laughs) I was going to say, you just reminded me of the fact that in New York, they actually have some more plans to have music events in the spring and the summer. And by the way, for anyone listening, we will have Shelly Yellen in just about five or so minutes. So, uh, keep hanging there he's coming he's coming (laughs) but i do want to say that i think it's important to understand that like i'm very happy that new york at least tried to have some sort of like you know they want to have entertainment still but they're very safe like for example the thanksgiving day parade you know it was a little surreal but at least i see the mentality of wanting to like create that fun experience and trying to keep some sense of like the city of like I, I guess the uh, city of entertainment or something like that. Right, the city, k- yeah, because that's such a big part of New York. Yeah, and it's the same with like Los Angeles. I, I think Los Angeles, believe it or not, is not so willing to do that. Like, it surprised me that Los Angeles has been more hesitant towards like events and all that, mm-hmm. which is a little surprising. But New York, I think, because New York w- sees this as an opportunity to heal. Because when they started, they really were. It well, was a horrible. Well, thing they for got them. hit really hard in the beginning, and then it seems like they d- did a pretty good job with really shutting down, locking down. So um, I don't. I think now their numbers are okay. But I think L.A. the problem because L.A. of course. California is such a huge state, but too many people were crazy, went out on the beaches with a lot of people and that kind of thing. And I think um, uh, L.A. has been later in the game not following protocol and so now things aren't as good as they could be and also i think the la the mayor of la they actually they're very strict compared to the governor in some cases because they actually closed down before the state did so like Mm -hmm. for them i think you know the mayor of los angeles you know he i have a mixed opinion of him overall but we're not politics so yeah not gonna get into that but i did think it was a good call for him to actually have said okay you know what I gotta, I gotta move the ball on this. Gotta mm-hmm. close down before the ma- the governor does. Mm-hmm. And it was just one day apart. And I think that in the case of, I think that's him now. So okay. we'll be, ri- I'll be back. Okay, we're gonna talk to Shelly. Yeah. So just you know, it, it, this is just again such a this whole thing, this whole pandemic has been sh- such an eye opening thing, sort of a lesson on um responsibility and um selflessness and caring about your fellow man and being smart and being safe and not just going crazy and um so i'm hoping that we keep that up before um all right i think we do have uh shelly yolan on the phone hey shelly how are you hi bonnie i'm fine how are you good so you're back in town and got live music back at at, at aj so tell you're there every friday so tell us about it Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the air. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And, uh, yeah, music returned to AJ's about two weeks ago. Uh, and uh, we're going to be playing tonight starting at 6.30. Great music, great food. We have such a, a nice band tonight. We have on piano uh, Pam Phillips, who's kind of new to the desert. A lot of people don't know her yet, but she has such an outstanding resume. She was a 
Broadway pianist, played for all the great shows for 17 years and even conducted some of them, was on tour with Evita. She's a marvelous musician, mm-hmm. and she'll even sing a few. And uh, uh, we're going to have a real entertaining evening. On bass, we have Bill Saeda, mm-hmm. who was uh, a great performer, and he's going to sing a little bit. And uh, Andy Fraga, a fantastic drummer, playing. Yep. And myself, I'll be playing saxophone and clarinet and flute. And then, of course, we're going to invite all of our friends to come up and, and join us also. So the invitation goes out to you. And if you want to drag along your friend Eric, <laughs> you know, that would even be good, too. My friend. I don't know if, if he's allowed out of the house. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's been on his best behavior lately. So, so, t- so tell us now, you are, you're, you're here like kind of half the year. Tell us about your schedule. And then you go back to the Chicago area, correct? Yeah, I go back to Chicago. I'm probably going to stay a little longer than usual. Maybe I'll stay through June or at least part of June. I'm mm-hmm. thinking hopefully some of the other venues that I play at will open up. The Palm Springs venues that haven't opened yet. Melvin's uh, Jam Session mm-hmm. on Sunday and perhaps the Purple Room where I play with Sharon Sills on Thursday. So I'm hoping those things will open and I'll stay for those. And But usually it's six months here and six months in Chicago. And uh, I, I play a lot in Chicago also. I've had all kinds of things going on in Chicago, although mm-hmm. last summer there was very little. You know, mm-hmm. And it was all in the middle of COVID. Uh, yeah. Now, are you still, do you still teach a little bit too? Well, I normally teach at the University of Louisville in the summers. I teach at the Jamie Abersall Summer Jazz Workshops, which is a very famous uh, group of uh, teachers and uh, usually attract, we usually get about 600 students every summer, but of course it hasn't been gone gone on for last summer and it's not going on this summer mm-hmm. so i'm pretty i'm pretty well retired from my own college teaching job i taught at triton college in chicago it's a community college in the mm-hmm. west suburbs i was there for uh, i don't know 26 years and taught high school before that so i have you know had a long teaching career but uh, i've taught at the jamie abersall workshops for many years and we taught all over the country and uh I think I taught uh, every summer in London for 20 years. We taught the jazz workshops there also, so mm-hmm. that was very special. What, I don't know if I've asked you this. I know you've been on with us before. Um, did you? What made you choose saxophone? Did you choose saxophone as a, as a kid? When did you first start playing? That's a very fascinating <laughs> question. Uh, well, I started playing piano around when I was four. You know, we had little piano lessons, and uh-huh. I, I went in kindergarten. I went. They had a piano, and I walked up to the piano and played the piano, and the teacher looked at me and said, wow, that's amazing. So I played piano first, and then Mm -hmm. uh, one day my mother says, well, her brother has got a clarinet. He's going to bring it over and see what you think. So she brought this clarinet over, and I looked at it and went, wow, that's fantastic. I love that thing. Mm -hmm. And she found this teacher who was such a special teacher, he taught me from the beginning how to play songs pretty much by ear. Mm. And then after that was when I was 11. So 11 and 12, by the time I was 13, he said, well, you have to start reading music now so you can play in the high school band. In Chicago public schools, they didn't have elementary music Mm. programs, so it pretty much started in high school. So then I started reading music and became proficient at reading music and uh, loved classical music and I loved jazz and pop music. So I... Uh, the thing about 
a lot of the musicians in Chicago is that were so well versed in all the different genres of music because there was so much work in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I played in Polish bands and I played in Irish bands and I played in Jewish bands and Mm -hmm. I played in uh, Latin bands. And, you know, it was uh, such a wide variety of of things that I played and and learned, Uh, you know, so that made me a pretty well-rounded musician, but pretty much the last 20, 30 years, I've really been focused on playing jazz and mm-hmm. I love all the great jazz saxophone players, John Coltrane, Sonny Rollins, mm-hmm. Paul Desmond, Stan Getz, you name them, I love them. <laughs> so, so, when you, so you went from clarinet pretty quick to sax right after that? Oh yeah, really, I, I think it was maybe a month or two of playing mm-hmm. clarinet and they, they said, oh, here's a saxophone. And it's almost just like the clarinet, yeah. just different. Yeah. So then I switched over, and, and through most of my youth, I played alto most of the time, alto sax. And uh, mm-hmm. once I got into my 20s, it became clear that I was an improviser. And in the big band, the tenor player gets the most amount of improvising. So mm-hmm. I switched over and played tenor. Mm, okay. What, what, what? in your opinion, this is a pretty broad question, but in your opinion, what makes a good jazz musician well I think the first thing is having good ears mm-hmm. you have to be able to hear the harmony and the rhythm play with good time and but jazz is such a it really is a wide variety of, of things you've got traditional jazz you know Dixieland jazz and we've got bebop and, mm. and modern jazz and now smooth jazz so many people love smooth jazz and uh, and so a good saxophone player, number one, is a beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. Does the person have a beautiful sound? And number two, does he play with a good feel of rhythm? And number three, does he is he harmonically accurate? And, and going back to number one, is he creating beautiful melodies? Because I yeah. think that's what improvising is about. Can you create a new melody over this song that we all know and make it interesting and exciting to listen to where the listener is wondering, what's it, what's he going to do next? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, and it's kind of like a roller coaster ride. It takes you up, down, and up, and down. Of, and, of all the, those, those different categories of jazz that you just mentioned, do you have a favorite category of jazz to play? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much stuck in the bebop world. Okay. Although I, I have been playing a lot of Dixieland at the Mizell Senior Center. I've been mm-hmm. playing in their Dixieland band, which used to be on Fridays before the COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're talking about resuming out in the park by Mizell maybe next Friday. We'll see if that happens. But I played Dixieland with them. In Chicago, I played this uh, music that's called Klezmer music, which is this uh, old Jewish music. Kind of like if you think of Fiddler on the Roof, that's the kind of music... You know, that was played by the Eastern European uh, mm-hmm. Jews who traveled from town to town. So I play, you know, I'm wow. quite an expert in that kind of music. And, okay. and of course, I know I have a degree in classical music, I'm playing classical clarinet and conducting. And so you play it all. All right, we're, we're running yeah, out of time. I do a lot of things. And, of course, I play rock and roll a lot also. Okay. So. Tonight, AJ is on the green. Tonight, Shelly Yolen Jazz uh, starts at 630. Great band, uh, great food, great music. Um, knock them dead. I'm going to come out and see you one of these days. So hey, glad you're back Johnny, in town. Will you come and sing one? Will you come and sing with us? I don't know about tonight, but at some point I will. I promise. Okay, great. Tell your right. listeners because they all want to hear you sing. You have such a beautiful voice. Oh, you're so sweet. All right, Shelly Owen, thanks so much. Wonderful musician. AJ's Thank tonight. You, all right, yep. we'll be thanks. right back on the bye. Culture Corner. Bye bye.
You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza, talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. So there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world, especially... Sad stuff. A lot of sad stuff. And we didn't talk about it last time because we felt like, you know... Stay away from politics. Stay away from politics. But there was a shooting in Atlanta. But we do have a couple things that did come out of that. Entertainment stories related to that. Yes. So the first one we're going to talk about is Sesame Street, after what happened, has decided to finally push further with its coming together initiative, which is this initiative they created to be talk more about diversity and communities. And Mm -hmm. one of the things they talk about is like, you know, it's okay to speak Spanish in public mm-hmm. and that's your superpower. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, um, their videos. It's called Spanish is my superpower. Mm-hmm. And they decided to finally, for the first time, even though they've had black kids and black actors and it's very famous for being diverse to begin with, mm-hmm. they finally decided to have a group of black Muppets on the walkers. They're called to talk about race with Elmo in an episode mm-hmm. of this show. And it's mostly going to be online. So you won't see it on public access. But they are going to do it as part of their coming together. And they already released a video where Elmo asked questions about why is your skin black to one of the characters. He talks about melanin. Melanin, yes, and all that. Yeah, And it's part of this idea called the ABCs of Racial Literacy, where they will create programs and resources and activities for your kids to talk about racism and and that it's okay to notice racial differences in terms of physical appearance. <laughs> like if you'll notice someone has a different texture of hair, like black mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. when they have hair different from yours, that it's okay mm-hmm. to acknowledge that, but to be ready to hear a good answer and all that, yeah. and to be accepting. To, to acknowledge it and 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 embrace it and say, hey, this is cool, we're all different. That's make, what makes the world go round. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's a great idea Excellent. and I'm very, and I think I trust Sesame Street more than a lot of other shows to talk about. To handle this. it well, yes. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this idea about, well, can children handle it or do? Oh, for I, goodness' sake, children th- can handle a lot more than <laughs> adults sometimes think they can. Give and, me a break. And one of the things they pushed was, you know, children are not born with the idea of knowing race, but they are taught it. And it's okay. And if they're going to be taught it, we might as well provide programming to show teach them. it in a positive way, in a formal way, instead of just yeah. I said that last time. That song from South Pacific. You got to be carefully taught. Babies do not are not born racist. They're and, not. And that's actually a really good way to say it. Carefully taught. Mm-hmm. And I think Sesame Street does that. So if you're a parent and you and your kids are having questions about what's going on in the world when it comes to racism because let's be honest your kids are going to hear about it's it g- it's a lot going on right now but you know so why not have sesame street be the ones to teach you excellent and one and another positive news story our final one ken jong an actor who has done a lot of great work he's been in dr ken a sitcom on abc community another sitcom he's mostly been in a lot of comedies he was in crazy rich asians and he was also in the hangover movies he has decided to actually create a gofundme where he has donated to he actually didn't act my bad. He didn't quit create the GoFundMe, but there was a GoFundMe campaign for the five families that were affected by the Atlanta shooting. Mm-hmm. He actually donated $10,000 each for each, each, each family. So yeah. raising $50,000 mm-hmm. in general, he has stated 
that with regards to the situation in Atlanta and the shootings in Atlanta, my heart, thoughts, and prayers go to all of those affected. He's also, by the way, a panelist on The Mass Singer. So, and he went on to say, enough is enough. We're just fed up. And he actually went on to further say, there's a debate whether this crime was racially motivated. Please. Asian American women are two times as likely to get assaulted in America. This was clearly racially motivated. Mm -hmm. This was clearly a hate crime. And he said, and he decided, and he released these. Um, uh, he gave these um, away after the names were finally revealed by the Biden administration when they went to Atlanta to meet with the Asian American community about this. He said that it, it's an, uh, um, can John, he, like he said, it's enough. Yeah. Enough is enough. Absolutely. And it's, and it's his way to bring, take, uh, give back to the community and, I think it's so wonderful to do that. I think last week we mm -hmm. talked about how another person was treated, uh, took a bad situation and flipped it. And this is an, and I mean, it's not like he could have helped out those people like by saving them physically, mm -hmm. but he did a good job by giving them $10,000. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's more than enough to help them out. Uh, you know, I'm wondering why, um, because it's all that has been in the news. And, of course, in addition to this, the news, because certain people uh, have uh, pounded away and blamed uh, the coronavirus on China, that Asian violence against Asian people has gone way through. But it seems to be mostly at women. And I'm wondering why that is. So w Asian Chinese women are to blame for the coronavirus, but Chinese men are not. I don't get that. You know, it's it's in, it's in, it's interesting to say that because last night I actually saw like um, there was a conversation and I forgot where it was, but we were talking about it in class where we said that we have this perception about Asian women like the mysterious dragon lady. Like if you go back and watch an older movie and you just see like the dr like anime Wong movies and how mm. she gets cast. Or even in some of the James Bond, you have that stereotype. Too. Like, yeah, like the or the oriental woman mm -hmm. that's like very um conniving and all that sometimes evil, evil yeah yeah so i think there's this perception that asian women are either a going to be submissive or b are dangerous and mm -hmm. it's like this horrible stereotype that it's like first of all it contradicts itself how are how are you going to label a group of people submissive but dangerous and evil at the same time yeah. and yeah and it's just it's one of those things where like racism is one of those it just doesn't make sense like and and I don't understand how, like, this keeps happening to people. It's horrible. But, you know, I'm glad Ken John decided to do something about it. And I do recommend that if you could donate $20 to the families, do so. Even mm -hmm. though he donated $10,000 each, it doesn't hurt to give them a oh, little yeah. bit more of a boost. Absolutely. Well, first of all, funerals are very expensive, just that alone. Oh, that's you know, true. Um, it's just... <sighs> It's tragedy. And I know, you know, I know this is not a political show, but um, I just wish more people would just wake up and you know what? We're all human beings. We're all in this, in this together <laughs> on earth here together. We've got to learn how to get along. Nobody's better than anybody else. And you know, if you're, if you're, fo if you're focused on your own life, focus on your own life. What are you here to do? What's your mission? What's your gift that you're giving the world? Focus on your own life and keep your nose out of other people's business. And you know, everybody has a right to live and be free. And also Asian families, you know, not only do they have to deal with the scrutiny, 
from the coronavirus, but they also have to deal with the virus itself. Absolutely. Just like everybody. And the thing would be that, you know, if you, I, I would say certainly that if you want to do something, donate to these families, sure. but also just examine the art and the stereotypes that you're exposed to and actually like think about it. Like how I'm not saying that no one's to blame particularly like other than the people that did the crime, but also think like, how is our society creating these stereotypes? Right. So and that what, what could you do to maybe lessen that? What could you do? What could you, you do? Know? You know, yeah. like, like go support the movie Minari, go support yes. movies led by Asian actors. Yeah. And if you watch Nomadland, Directed by an Asian woman, and she might win an Oscar. So All there right. you go. All right. Good show. We'll be back next week with more on the Culture Corner. Stay safe. <laughs>